If you're feeling disconnected or alone in your relationship, what can you do to bridge the gap and find yourself and your partner again? Or if you're coming up against an unhealthy repeating pattern, especially if you know that it's connected to something that you brought into your relationship from your past, how do you finally heal the wound and break the cycle? And why would you want to do all that? Because along with that transformation comes the joy, passion, and attraction that keeps relationships fresh and healthy year after year. You'll find out exactly how it all works in today's episode of Relationship Alive. This show is my offering to you to help you have the best possible relationship that you can. And if you are finding the show is making a difference in your life, please consider a donation to help ensure that we can continue. In order to choose something that feels right for you, just visit neilsatin.com slash support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And just so you know, every little bit helps. This week, I'd like to thank Sarah, Joseph, and Ruthanna. Thank you so much for your contributions to Relationship Alive. Also, if you can't spare a dime, that's cool. Just let people know about Relationship Alive. Not only is it powerful to help get the word out about what we're doing, but you never know when someone you know might need some help. And so by just telling people about Relationship Alive or posting it on Facebook, it just helps put it into people's awareness. So when they are looking for help in their relationship, and so many of us are, and it's not the kind of thing that we broadcast on Facebook, right? But if you are looking for help and you know about Relationship Alive, then that can be such an important and valuable resource. So thank you for doing your part to get the word out about Relationship Alive. And I've also seen some really great new reviews coming in on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Um, I really appreciate your writing. And if you have a chance to do that as well, that would be amazing. If you haven't marked the date on your calendar yet, how about coming to Portland, Maine on June 6th, 2019 to catch Relationship Alive live with Terry Real. He's going to be here in an intimate setting to have a conversation, to take your questions. We're also going to have musical guest Katie Matzel, who's a local superstar here in Portland, Maine. And it's all in an intimate setting with less than 200 seats. It's going to be a really fun, powerful night. To get more information, just visit neilsatin.com slash tickets. And finally, uh, I just want to remind you that we are going to be talking about some deep stuff in today's show. And when you're wanting to chat with your partner about something really deep and powerful and meaningful and stay connected, it is helpful if you know the right way to do that. So in order to make that easier for you, I've put together a guide with my top three relationship communication secrets. To download the guide, all you have to do is visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. The guide is free. And these are some of the things that are a little bit counterintuitive or not obvious, but will help you find understanding and connection when you're communicating with your partner, no matter how challenging the topic. 
If you have any other questions, you can always find us in the Facebook group, which is the Relationship Alive community. That is free. And I think that is it. So let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. It's been my mission to bring to you the most powerful healing modalities, the most powerful ways for you to find yourself in a deeper state of connection with the people in your life that matter to you most. And so not only am I trying to bring to you what I consider to be the best of the best, but to also be adding to that list of best of the best with new modalities that we haven't explored yet. So you may have heard my episode fairly recently with Diana Fosha, episode 176, which was all focused on AEDP, Accelerated Experiential Dynamic Psychotherapy. And even though that's a mouthful, in its most basic form, it's about helping us heal the attachment wounds and traumas, the things that get in the way of us having the richest experience of life that we could possibly be having. It's important stuff. And of course, my goal for you is that you can not only access that, but that you can also bring it to your relationship. So in order to dive more deeply into this topic, today we have an amazing guest with us. His name is David Mars, and he is the creator of AEDP for Couples. His work is focused on helping you overcome the aloneness that you can sometimes feel even when you're in relationship. And the way that your deepening connectedness can help you heal the attachment traumas at the heart of the ways that we disconnect from each other, even when that's the last thing that we want. In preparing for this conversation, I've had the honor of being able to watch David work with couples. And it's been so powerful, um, not only to see him working with couples directly, but to also see how he trains therapists in using this powerful modality. So I'm really excited for you to be able to experience him with me here today and to get more of a sense of how this approach to healing some of our deepest wounds can actually be this amazing life-giving, joyful burst of experience that you can then bring into your relationship. Now, that might sound like a lot for an hour-long conversation, but I'm pretty sure we'll get close. So as usual, we will have a detailed transcript of this conversation. And in order to download that, you can visit neilsatin.com slash Mars, M-A-R-S, as in David Mars, today's guest. Or as always, you can text the word PASSION, to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. David Mars, welcome to Relationship Alive, and thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much, Neil. I'm so touched by your introduction, and um, I'm just um, so aware of your uh, dedication to watch all four of these three DVD sets of video training, and uh, just so happy to have this honor of, of talking with you and with our audience as well. Well, it's great to be here, and I appreciate your generosity in giving me access to your work. And uh, as people who are regular listeners of this show have hopefully come to know, it's so important to me to be able to have that level of familiarity so that we can dive more deeply. And you know, otherwise, we could talk for an hour about how you came to be an AEDB therapist, but I want to go more deeply into what you do 
in ways that also are in context of other conversations that we've had here on the show. So, for example, we spoke to Diana, so you don't need to give us the, the full rundown on AEDP. We may do yes. a little bit of that just to bring people up to speed. But if you're watching or listening to this, um, then uh, I invite you to also check out the interview with Diana Fosha, um, which is really powerful and where this the AEDP part of the work originates. Yes. And David, you mentioned to me that you were a couples therapist for 30 years before coming into the AEDP realm? Yeah, yes, it's starting in uh, 1975. So it's uh, 40, 43 years. <laughs> it's hard, hard to believe. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, let's just say that uh, I was one year old when you first started. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I, I should say that my my beginnings with um, psychotherapy and couple therapy was really also working with families and with groups. And it's a lot of aspects of work that was beyond couples alone. But the couple therapy has always been my my strongest affiliation and connection and my favorite work to do partly because it's so darn difficult to do well. Mm. So it keeps me growing uh, through these four and a third decades and um, continue in, in my personal relationship also with my wife of 35 years. It's so wonderful to be with her and to see how what I learn and she learns because she co-teaches the work with me, Karen Pandemars and I teach together. And um, being married together with a 19-year-old daughter and a 46-year-old daughter from a previous marriage really gives me a sense of the meaning, a deep meaning of how it is to be alive, how it is to have love be a guiding force and a guiding principle for how to be making decisions and how to exist even in conversation. You know, in terms of as as we think about the the landscape of what's possible in the couple's world, what was it like for you even having been a therapist for 30 years to discover AEDP and just can you give us a glimpse of like what that brought to you and what that's brought to the the way that you've seen your work unfold with couples? Yeah. I want to give a little context, you know, in the decades before finding AADP, um, which was uh, 13 years ago that I came to AADP, um, I had done um, work that was very related to AADP in process work uh, through Arnie Mandel and in um, respiratory psychophysiology, meaning the uh, knowledge of how the breathing and the body correlate. And I would, um, for two decades plus, would use monitoring equipment, uh, computerized and very accurate monitoring equipment to look at breathing, heart rate, hand warming, muscle tension, et cetera, of the couples that I worked with so that I could see how they're being affected by each other. But even more important, they could see how they're affecting each other and realize that, for example, if I'm a man who speaks to his heterosexual wife in a way that's very firm and strong and sharp and clear and as expected of me at work, but when I see that her hand temperature drops, her breathing rate increases, her heart rate increases and becomes more agitated. And I find out that, wow, that strong masculine way I have of speaking actually turns her off rather than on, except for stress arousal gets turned on, but not her closeness to me. If I'm that man, I can learn to speak more kindly and softly and firmly in a way that's more meaningful. 
and sourced by my own experience rather than my judgments. It's very powerful. And in these decades that I had worked before finding ADP, I also was very much oriented toward positivity and would have to be kind of apologizing sometimes because people would find that over the decades that that positivity wasn't really regarded yet as being optimal for psychotherapy. Uh, many people felt that going darker, going more into the harsher aspect of life or a screen therapy or whatever it would be in the 80s, for example, or 70s, was really more important than the attending to love, to kindness, to a feeling of really modulating harsh impulses and speaking even when angry about what is really meaningful, what you really want to be understood about, where I don't take my hurt quote and hurt someone else with it, but rather maybe choose a more vulnerable side of feeling sad, which is a part of hurt, feeling sad that I'm hurt and angry that I got hurt. But if I go with the sorrow, then the partner is much more likely to come close to me. So that preceded ADP. What was different with ADP in, uh, in uh, 2005 for me was that in meeting Diana Fosha, within the first 20 minutes of her presentation, I knew I wanted to study with her and work with her and come to New York and get trained by her and my wife, Karen Panamars. And in going to New York, I found that I was able to share video of my work, even during the first five-day training called an immersion course, and had that thrill of experiencing the cohesion of how I've been working with AADP, but also the organization of AADP's scientific principles, the ethic of neuroscience in particular, the uh, understanding about attachment research, which has been immense in my life since, to understand how attachment research informs me and helps me as a person and as a therapist, and also Diana's person, her re remarkable intellect and genius, really, and kindness and uh, humbleness, an odd package to find in a person, uh, was so inspiring to me mm. that uh, within a few years of study and an intense work, I was able to become a faculty, I guess it was four years or so, a really intensive study and supervision with Diana. And so the quality of um, the felt experience of love that I already started with got more deepened by understanding how the work of AADP, Accelerated Experiential Dynamic Psychotherapy, um, holds that for individuals and the transfer that understanding into the couple work and adding to it my own background in and biofeedback and understanding how the heart and breath and mind correlate with each other uh, and how we can enhance that loving vibe, which is literally a pulse wave from the heart that can be felt, um, that that power is so um, gratifying to be part of an institution. The ADP Institute in New York is so moving to be a part of. It's so all the people in it, the 24 faculty, Plus, Diana are so resonant with the values that I hold. It's quite quite a joy. Yeah, I mean, if if you get the sense of like I was watching these DVDs of you working and found myself moved, moved to tears so many times and laughing and and or accessing even like in a really sorrowful moment. Like you know, we'll talk about this in, in a minute, but so tapped into my own experience that I would be starting to cry and then I'd notice, oh my goodness, the the um, 
person in the video is also like on the verge of tears right now. Um, So it's all about developing that. And so this is just watching DVDs. So imagine the power, right, of bringing that into how couples really learn to experience each other. Yes. Um, So it's not like glimpsing that level of um, positive affect, but also like living there. Yeah, I so agree with you. And I just saw a couple last night, for example, where the couple came in with a dynamic, actually, like the one I described of a harsh speaking pattern in the male and this heterosexual couple. And the woman being quite well-meaning, quite dear, very sensitive, very primable, and not used to being talked to harshly on how she was raised. So for her, it's shocking to be disrespected. But for him, he grew up with a lot of disrespect and a lot of challenging behavior from his elder brothers and and lack of protection from the parents. So for him, harshness is part of a defense structure that is survival-based. And as he lets go of it and becomes more kind and loving with her, I was able to say to the couple, you know, I just see how much progress you're making between sessions, how many great examples you've given me today of how I see you becoming more loving with your wife. And she's responding so warmly. My thought is, let's just shorten the session today. I can see you doing the work in between sessions and you can see this video recording of the session and rehearse it at home. And he said, I'm so glad because I'm exhausted. I would love to go home early. So a very unusual <laughs> situation of knowing their work is between sessions right now with, with their two-year-old son. And that's just a joy for me that that work comes home and shows up in the next session as evidence of the work really becoming part of the natural lived life of this couple. Yeah, that's an interesting feature of your work. And my understanding is that obviously it's not a requirement um, for uh, couples to have their work uh, with an ADP for couples therapist videotaped. But um, but that is something that you do encourage as yeah. it, and it gives them the opportunity to see themselves yes. in these sometimes less than ideal states with each other. Yes, yes. And and also to witness their transformation moments. And yes, absolutely. Yeah, that seems really powerful for the couples that choose to um, do that and choose to watch the, the videos that are taken. Yeah, yeah. It is true that in the therapists that I supervise and train, most do not videotape all their couples. But all videotape some of their couples, couple work so they can get trained. And for me, I videotape all the work that I do. And I'm so joyful that my uh, couples that call, I let them, know, let them know over the phone. That's how I work. And for me, uh, my, my first experience of video being used with me was in 1970. And I got to see myself uh, several times a week on video as part of my undergraduate training, interacting with others, trying to solve problems and seeing how my brilliant idea, when expressed in a certain way, would shut down the conversation. When another way, I could be more humble and come forward in a more uh, soft way, a more uh, relational way that would bring the conversation up, and all of us would rise together, like the tide rises, lifts all boats. So I got to see in 1970 how that is, had that blessing. So for now, all the way from to then, I have this continuous relationship to video as a way to enhance learning and to help people understand how the reflective function can increase. And the capacity to reflect on oneself accurately is a direct relationship to secure attachment and developing more earned secure attachment. 
if I know actually how I am being and I'm aware of myself, I can be aware of you. And by being aware of you and me together, I can become more attuned. And this attunement is so precious because without it, it's like driving a car around with newspaper glued over all the windows and not knowing where one is going. It's so important. Yeah, that reminds me of really learning any skill and the the process of myelination and how important it is to slow things down in order to get to a new place. And I think particularly around self-reflection, that's something yeah. that it's it's not easy to a lot of us don't learn that as we grow up. So so I can see that videoing process as a way of actually slowing down the circuit and bringing people into that cycle of self-reflection in a way that would eventually accelerate and become just part of how you operate um, from from practicing it that way. Yep. Thank you for that. And in in the attachment research, it's very clear that when babies are reflected by their mothers, by their fathers, and they are shown that they exist and recognized in a harmonious way that's reciprocal, that goes back and forth, and it's contingent with the baby's response and the loving parent's response are in, in harmony with each other, and there's a conversation called a proto-conversation before speech, that that baby learns, I am safe, I am loved, I am delightful, and I'm with delightful people who delight in me being delightful. It teaches that love is a guide as opposed to fear being the guide, and it's a powerful, powerful example of reflection. I wanted to mention something else, Neil, that you mentioned about couples seeing themselves when they're in dysregulated states and realizing how they unconsciously and habitually may drive their partner away rather than bringing the partner closer. What I also really enjoy is couples seeing each other in love, pinkening cheeks, reddening lips, um, eyes becoming more vivid in color, bright, like shining light, um, and seeing the light in each other and the love in each other and learning to enjoy love. For many people, love was not something that they had joy with. Is love mixed with fear love mixed with danger, love mixed with avoidance and dissociation. And so to find that love is safe to soak in, to safe to send and receive and visualize it on the video, visualize it and see more clearly how I can see love in my partner and feel love for my partner by choice. These are immense, immense powers to, to possess and to cultivate. Yeah, I'm w- noticed over and over again as I was watching your work, the refinement with which you were able to notice what was happening in a couple and then to draw their attention, both the person maybe having the experience to their own experience that they were having and then to bring their partner in to invite them into the experience yes. Yes. in a way that kept them in dyad with each other. Um, Can you talk about that part of your process and and why that's so important? I'm having such an experience of delight that you've you've seen these videos and they're so dear to me. I've seen them so many times in the process (laughs) of editing them and doing them, creating the workshops, etc. It's delightful to hear you. Um, For me, there's something of great, great delight in being a bridge of consciousness, somatic consciousness, and to see the best in people and reflect the best of them back to them. And for them to see, hear, feel, sense, even know in their own movement that they are vehicles of love when they want to be. 
with increasing skill, with increasing pride, pride, because it is such a deep, deep shame for people and deep sorrow to feel not competent to love. It's such a feeling, a loss that I can feel I'm speaking of it. And that to, to be able to love, to be able to be loving and to be lovable, uh, being love-able is a skill that many, many people did not learn to do. Uh, survival is not enough, from my point of view. And thriving in this world, to me, actually really requires being able to love and be loved. And, and that's really, I think, one of the core elements of how I can help couples to see the best in each other and to see the moment of a smile before the frown appears to cover it. And just to be there as an open channel for the couples to see and hear and feel and sense each other more vividly in each session. Now, I'm, if I'm listening, then the question that comes up for me is, okay, but how do you address problems then if you're so focused on finding the goodness? I mean, the goodness sounds great. Yeah, sure. Right. So if you're having this kind of question, maybe one thing to ask yourself is like, how open are you to the experience of love? Like David was just talking about. And at the same time, yeah, cause people come in right with big, big stuff. Absolutely. You cheated on me. You're always negative. You're yep. right. Absolutely. Uh, one of the parts I really enjoy about couple therapy is the challenge of having a couple come in who already is coming in with a dryness, with an anger, with a revenge impulse, with feelings of bitterness, hopelessness, um, deep, 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 even rage about, let's say, betrayal. And the challenge for me as a therapist to find the sweet spot with them in the first question I ask them, which is, what do you want with each other? What do you want to develop with each other, not for each other or to get from each other? What do you want with each other to experience should this therapy be successful? And a couple of members might say, I just came in. We just came in from an argument. I can't think about that right now. I said, well, I understand this is a transition that's difficult to make. I do see there's some tension between you. But all the more reason in this therapy to choose to remember what you want with each other because that's our purpose in being here. We can certainly talk about what happened in the car before you, you came into the waiting area. But I would rather have you approach that in a place of loving each other and valuing each other and feeling that you are worth working this through to each other. And from this place, we can do great things of working out your conflicts. But only from this place of love can we do it successfully. So you're grounding them in that sense of why are we here? And if this could work, what would we want with each other? Mm -hmm. um, and how would you help someone who, for instance, is really landing in a sense of like, wow, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to even want to answer that question for you. Right. right. So I, in, that, in that case, I might say, I wonder if there's a part of you that wants to want to know what you want with your partner. Mm -hmm. And find that part of you that wants to want to be close to her. And just to suspend for the time being the doubting part of you or the angry part of you that is here. I, I understand. That's a real part of you. But for the time being, to practice a mindful choice to occupy the place of choosing her. Just to take the moment now, if you will, please, just see her. Right now, as you see your partner, what do you love about her? 
Just set aside all the rest. Just find that 10% of you maybe that really is willing to do this and occupy this part of you. Yeah. Well, what, what I find, Neil, is that it may be almost unbelievable to imagine people can do this the first session, but it is true. I have video to show it. <laughs> when, I, when I have permission to teach from videos, it's very clear that people can choose love over revenge and love over aggravation or love over dissociation because they want to. They get better and better at it, yes. More and more complete at it, yes. Some people can get out one phrase of what they love about their partner, what they want with their partner, and the next non sequitur is what they're mad at them about. I just need to say, wait, wait, wait. So that lasted 20 seconds on the positive side. Please, will you go another minute? Just stretch to go a minute of being positive with your partner, what you want with your partner. Just one minute. And they go another 14 seconds with another complaint. I say, wow, okay, 14 more seconds. We're now 34 seconds in. See if you go another, you know, 26 seconds and just be with this, that you really want something with your partner and just hang in. And I'm smiling when I'm saying this. I'm really getting how difficult it is, particularly in contentious couples who come often, at least one of them, comes from argumentative family systems where learning to argue and have conflict was a skill. Mm. And to set it aside, as, as you could hear the armor clanking on the floor, to, to release that armor is scary. It's yeah. downright terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, and and what I love about what you're offering is the way that love and tapping into that energy gives people the strength and safety mm -hmm. to then yes. visit harder places. Yes, um, because I definitely saw that right in, in your in your work that um, there were times when one member of a couple would get to this really vulnerable place and offering something and then the other person just like and you even as you're watching it you're like what do you think's gonna happen right now and of course what happens is it's like is that love received no it's yep. it, it's met with uh some harshness or disbelief or doubt and something that i'm curious about is your ability to hold Yep. the love and the vulnerability that one person offers. Yep. And I think this is a valuable skill as a therapist and also like in relationship to be able to, for instance, hold that you're offering something that's vulnerable. And at yep. the same time to be met with a, with a no from your partner, mm -hmm. your partner, a, a mm -hmm. refusal yep. and to, to allow them that experience without mm -hmm. it necessarily sending you into a shame spiral um, yeah. or, you know, dorsal vagal response. Mm -hmm. So what's, well, yeah, how do you see, like, how do you hold that dynamic as a therapist? Because yeah. I was impressed by how powerful it was to honor, like, it's okay that you're resisting this love right now. Like, I'm not going to force you to accept it yep, absolutely. in this environment, even though absolutely. that it's probably what you think I want you to do. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's very well put, Neil. Yeah, it isn't about compliance. It isn't about love your partner because I'm saying you should. Uh, it's much more, I mean, 
really to remember, for example, in the uh, that uh, volume one, volume two from New Jersey, the the uh, um, the thirty year marriage um, DVD set that is a two part set that when Joanne is refusing Mike's overtures to being loving, and at a point she says, "I've had thirty years." Of difficulties with you. I am not going to simply just collapse with my upset with you just because you're nice to me in the session. I'm not, I'm still mad at you. Yeah. And I have a right to be, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to just set it aside. I'm really, really hurt and lonely, and you haven't gotten it, and I want you to get it. Of course, the way she does it puts him to dorsal vehicle again. But I just love that her assertion is so clearly based in her sense of her rights to be a person who has truth with self as the first prerogative beyond behaving herself with her partner and complying with me uh, or or her husband. And her ferocity, I think, is really an essential um, response to being deprived of having rights all through her life growing up. Yeah. So it was such a, she taught me something there in that. Because the way it went on, it was a you know like a thirteen session series of sessions. It wasn't a super long treatment, but it was uh, one that sometimes felt long to me because the setbacks were almost every session. There'd be some part of her that just needed to be mean to him and thump him one, not physically, but with contempt. Mm. And I would just go, "Wow, okay, ouch!" That that really, that actually hurt from over here. And that kind of transparent response would often bring humor to her. She said, oh, that was really sharp. I don't want to be that that aggressive 16-year-old right now. I'm I'm sorry. And she'd apologize to him sometimes. It's that sub part of self that really wasn't quite in her conscious knowing that would sometimes reach out and do something of an ouch to him. Yeah. In yeah. the sweetest, most vulnerable moments. <laughs> Yeah, so so much here to unpack. Um, first, um, I love that you incorporate that notion of multiplicity and parts that that are operating. Uh, we've had Dick Schwartz on the show to talk about yes. internal family systems, and also uh, Tony Herbine Blank, which is her yes. um, incorporation of that into couples work. Um, so I, I find that to be so helpful in people being able to give a voice to the the more challenging aspects of their experience, but in a yes. way that, that um, uh, keeps a healthy distance from it while at the same time honoring it so that yes. they are not becoming it. So I love that you've incorporated that into, into your work. Um, yeah. And I also just want to give some context to everyone who's watching and listening that um, so David is talking about this uh, two-part uh, DVD set. So it's actually six DVDs um, that are this couples conference. And in it, there's um, they show video of David working with a couple. And this couple had been together for 30 years and they were on the brink. She, the, the woman partner had had enough. She was done with things being the way they were. And, um, and so, and I often get emails from listeners like I've, I've been married for 30 years. Is there any hope for me? I think I literally got that email uh, like three days ago. So, um, so one, yes, there is hope for you. 
Um, and then we get to watch over the course of 15 sessions um, how this how they progress together. So it's not like an instant fix. And it's also not an unenduring length of time that it took for them to, to achieve like a lot of a progress as a couple. Yep. Um, so just setting some context, the DVDs are amazing. Um, and for if you're a therapist or a healer like that, immersing yourself in the approach like that is one way that I think would be super helpful for you. Um, Can I add something to this? Please, Neil? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about how Joanne and Mike, and they, they have given me permission to use their first names Great. In, dis in discussing their work. They're very, very um, joyful about being of service in the world to let their couple experience inspire other couples to grow and develop past traumatic ways of interacting and deadening ways of interaction into ones that are really truly conscious and enhancing. Um, and that the, the couple is on stage with me and in the uh, in showing their videos so they were in being interacted with with an audience of about 100 therapists in using language eye language like i use with them like they use with each other with the channels of experience which are sensation emotion energy movement auditory visual and imaginal and using these seven channels along with eye language they communicate about their internal experience what's moving in them, what they sense in their bodies, what emotions are coming up, what kind of energetic experience they're having. And the intimacy of that speech with an audience of 100 therapists gets combined when the therapists are also speaking level, not speaking and pontificating, giving ideas or advice, but are actually being moved and speaking from their own experience of their own hope that's being opened in them by Joanne and Mike and speaking from that hope and that joy and that um, honoring of Joanna and Mike for their struggle and for their breakthroughs and for their being present with us. They flew all the way from San Francisco Bay Area to New Jersey to be there at that at that conference. <laughs> That's just quite a quite a statement of their dedication to want yeah. to transform. Yeah, Joanne. Um, just to revisit something we were talking about a moment ago, she mentions that one of the most powerful moments for her to witness was the moment where you uh, to say called her out isn't really exactly the right phrase probably but you you highlighted how she was coming at mike in a very cutting way and yep. you and I, the beautiful way you said it you it was something like are you perhaps mocking him right now <laughs> like but you said it in a way that wasn't like at all um you know, talking down to her. It was just like, I'm inviting you to ponder, like, was that maybe mocking him? And she spoke to just the impact of like, oh my goodness, right, I, I am doing that. And that is, as you mentioned, not what I want to be doing. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And I love this part about, you know, tapping in the middle of my forehead, the orbital frontal cortex, uh, the third eye, um, in more mystical traditions. The orbital frontal cortex is this senior executive that chooses how to be relational, how to be conscious, or it can lay relatively dormant. <laughs> but if we're really actively choosing our partners in an atmosphere of love, choosing to want to be with them, 
or even to want to want to be with them, as we mentioned earlier, to find the parts of us that are really open to moving away from argumentation and toward really saying, what do we want to be understood? As opposed to going for revenge or for an impact, to go instead for understanding is a major, major shift in consciousness. And, and it's an invitation to be recognized for the depth of what one wants to say and to bring the partner closer, even though it could be in the context of conflict. It does not have to be in the context of conflict. Because I can speak about the part of me that wants the closeness. I can also say how I feel saddened that I'm not reaching that. And particularly for a male in this world that I live in, um, to be soft. Um, the one that I grew up in my family was not such a wise strategy. Mm. <laughs> to be tough, to be uh, resistant rather than resilient a lot of what I learned, and now in these many years of decades, really, of practice, how to be soft and responsive is such a joy in marital relating because it's so conducive to being understood. Yeah. Yeah, for me, what comes up is this vision of um, true responsiveness. Yes. Like the more um, what I particularly love of the many things in AEDP for couples is how you're bringing people more and more online into their present moment experience and all the different channels. You just named the different channels of experience. Um, we, we can maybe talk about that a little bit more, sure. but as a way of enhancing how you show up in the moment. Yep. So when you say softness, what I, what I feel is my own like, Oh yeah, it's it allows me to take in the world, to take in my partner. Yes. And to not be bowled over by it, but also yes. to really respond to it. Like I don't have yeah. to push back at it. I don't have yes. to um react to it. I don't have yes. to shut down um, you know, typical fight flight responses. I don't have to do that because I've yes. I'm learning how to feel it in the moment. David, we have to take just a quick break to talk about this week's sponsor. And I'm excited to tell you about them because they're a new sponsor for Relationship Alive, and they have a unique date night option for you, especially if you're close to a major metropolitan area. Their name is Sweet Hop, and what they offer is really different. At venues and arenas across the country, games and concerts take place, and sadly, often the luxury suites sit empty or half full, because they're simply not available to you and me, uh, not as easily accessible anyway as general admission seating. Have you ever wondered what it might be like to actually take in a concert or a game from one of those luxury boxes? Well, now you can actually have that experience because Sweet Hop allows the owners of those luxury boxes to sell tickets to you so that you can have that experience. The luxury suites and VIP box seats are typically available in groups of two to eight seats, which is perfect for a date night or groups of friends. And they usually include access to luxury clubs, exclusive bathrooms, which can be really important at a large event like that, and VIP entrance to the amphitheater. They are usually really, really good seats for a show. And along with having plenty of space and no sweaty drunk people landing on top of you, at least sweaty drunk people unknown to you, there are also fabulous food and beverage options that can help turn this regular concert or event 
or game into a luxury experience. On the SweetHop website, it's super easy to browse the list of events or games in your area or to simply pull up a venue and see everything that's available for that particular place. So if you're looking for an extra special date night option that your partner definitely won't forget, check out SweetHop. Visit www.sweethop.com slash date night to find an amphitheater and show near you. That's S-U-I-T-E hop.com slash date night. And thank you so much, Sweet Hop, for sponsoring this episode of Relationship Alive. And now let's get back to our conversation. I would love to hear from you what you feel are the unique features of AED, AEDP for couples um, and how how people learn to experience each other and how therapists learn to work with couples and, and bridge, be a bridge of consciousness, as you were mentioning earlier. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that. I want to uh, spring from what you I heard you just saying about um, when a person knows they don't have to do anything, they're not required to do anything, but it's simply a choice. That's the key to me about AADP for couples. It's about choosing, <laughs> about the freedom, the liberty, the liberation from feeling constrained. I must do something for you. <clears throat> for many people, already brings up a resentment and a hardening inside mm. to submit one's own wishes to do the wishes and biddings of another. It's part of the control struggle that is phase two in marriage. First stage, falling apart. <laughs> into love, kind of disassembling into love, merging into love, being kind of losing our senses into love. Uh, for many of us is how we fell in love. Not all, but for many. And that merger state moves into the next state, which is control phase. Who's in control? Who's driving this bus? It's me. No, it's me. I drive with the kids and you drive at work. It's how do we actually have a life with two steering wheels in the vehicle and not have it be a battle? Mm -hmm. There's something about the quality uh, that for me is in ADP for couples that is symbolized by a marriage ritual where there are three candles and that um, the two lit candles are the candles that represent each of the couple members, be they same sex or, or heterosexual, and they come forward and they light together the middle candle that represents the marriage but they don't blow out their separate candles. In some ceremonies, the individuals blow out their candles and the union is all that's left. This is a major problem. It gives me chills to think about the fate of that couple that gives up their individuality to become merged into one. And for me, it's a mess that's invited. Or hmm. one couple gets absorbed, one couple member gets absorbed into the other perhaps and submits to the other and the dying of the self is a tragedy that does not go well for most couples in my experience. <laughs> so when all three candles are lit, both individuals are thriving and bringing light into the world and to each other, and the middle candle of a marriage is also doing this, that the children in that, that come from that marriage can be, if there are children that come from it, can be loved and loving and feel the joy of the parents shared with them as well. So it's part of that 80 for couples model that, is that it's the guiding light of love, the consciousness of love, and the guiding principles of the whole body, mind, heart, and gut, 
helping the couple members to discern what is right action? What is the correct and wise way to be right now with you, my partner, my beloved, my chosen one? How do I be with you in a way right now? Because my habit right now would lead me into another direction that I know is going off a cliff of sorts. We're going to run into a brick wall of sorts. Mm -hmm. That habit is not my friend right now. How do I, in this moment of activation, of anxiety, of pressure, how do I find myself, of exhaustion perhaps, how do I find myself freshly, consciously, and be guided by my own body to do the unthought known? That's something that I haven't even given thought of yet, but it suddenly springs to awareness. I can be like this with you. It's an act of creativity. And that creativity and living is so much part of how we humans, in fact, all sentient creatures, can be creative. And I'm thinking about hummingbirds, for example, who are so, to me, remarkable in their durability and resiliency to be get through storms and cold and rain and to still be there the next day at the hummingbird feeder or at the, at the Mexican sage getting sap from the flowers. How they do this is a miracle of their, uh, to me, divine nature to be following their own guidance, to know how to raise a family, how to be directionally wise, to go where it's warm, to go where there's food. This is part of what the research of Northrop and Panksepp uh, brought forward before Panksepp's untimely death in his last year, the transspecies neurobiological core self. And this is a, a consciousness that's in living beings that is not just the high brain, but is in the subcortical areas as well, that guides us toward wise choices. And it's tapping into this that ADP for couples is specialized in, Tap, tapping into sentience and the knowing of the self that's biologically corrective and overrides early defenses and early habits that are not necessarily helpful. Mm. They're just habits. And I want to say one more thing about this. Part of my joy is seeing couples take the best of each of their lineages, the best attributes, of what they what they learn through modeling through their parents, through being raised and often surviving in that home. There are true strengths, but they simply don't need to be all the space junk of everything else that their parents brought through their unresolved trauma that can be moved out of the backyard of this couple's lives and just cleaned up. It does not need to be that the replication of trauma is what the couple has to endure together, but rather the healing of trauma through kind firmness, through the clarity of mind and heart that are really dedicated to having a life that really thrives. That's really the core of ADB for couples. Yeah, I'm thinking of a couple things. One, like a really kind of broad concept and one like a very specific thing. The broad one being what we spoke about in the very beginning of our conversation that the work is about accessing those, those core states of being mm -hmm. and how we bring them to each other. And along with joy and sadness is your, your lust and sexuality. Yes. Um, this is the work you were just referring to. Yes. Um, and your ability to bring all of those things online is related to your ability to to shed your defenses and your defensive states not yes. in a like laying yourself bare kind of way but in yes, a yes. in a practicing yes. new habits of interaction new habits yes. of handling 
big emotions, which also seems like something that ADP and ADB for couples is really strong at at helping people with. Um, And then the specific thing that popped into mind is when you ask people, how do you know that you're having this experience? Um, Can you talk a little bit about that question? Because I think it's such a lovely invitation to bring people in more into their awareness and and also to combat um, the projection that so often is happening. Uh, Very well put, Neil. Yes, uh, rather than operating by projection, which is projection is necessary if you don't have sufficient information on what's going on. And projection is not a bad thing. It's just that it's sort of inaccurate often. Hmm. It's approximate and often has our own stuff laced into it. It's very confusing. And sort of it condemns the other person. If we follow projection as our way of understanding our partner, it condemns them to having our internal material put on them rather than really seeing them truly for who they are. It's very lonely to live like that. Right. So for me, one of the beauties is when couple members have an experience of discernment, of noticing, oh my gosh, my partner right now is smiling at me. I could have totally missed that had my therapist not pointed it out. She's smiling at me. And I love her smile. And I'm suddenly realizing that my, her eyes are bright. She still has a light in her eyes, even though I was just being dissociated just then. I lost track of where she was in the room even. Lost track of the fact she was actually here. And I was just talking to myself in a way. And that moment of seeing more clearly in the foreground awareness that my love for her is in my heart and I can actually feel heat in my heart. And then this is a quote from a session where the man says, this is weird. There's heat in my heart. It's so weird. And she says, I've been waiting for you to say that for 23 years. I'm so (laughs) glad to hear you have heat in your heart looking at me when I'm smiling at you. And then he says, it's actually more like warmth. Like, it's so weird. And I could just, it brings tears to my eyes to imagine a lifetime of his life before meeting her and then 23 years later that she's still waiting for her him to feel her warmth in his heart and know the warmth is real and he can trust it. And therefore he can trust her and relax his defenses against her hurting him or being less than. And there's something so liberating that that moment changes everything mm-hmm. once once the feeling heart isn't just a pump it's actually a heart that feels and knows that sentience of being is with him uh, this is not a man who studies consciousness he's a businessman doesn't matter you could be a military person it could be a dentist it could be a doctor whatever it is we all have hearts of knowing particularly if we entrain ourselves to listen to them and hear our whole bodies, how they can speak to us. And get this tingling in my fingertips I'm having right now, as I'm speaking with you, Neil, is an energetic state that relates to the excitement I feel in this conversation. And that if I can relax myself a little bit and slow my speech, I can feel my heart movement. I can start to notice how my muscles can start to relax. Or I can start to let my excitement tone down some so that I can feel more of the sense of groundedness in my cheer the sensation of my chair seat and my chair back behind me and the floor beneath me supporting me, I can feel I'm really here more grounded with you. I begin to hear that in my voice prosody, so the auditory channel shows to come online. I can feel the deeper resonance of my voice coming in. It's a quality of 
this self-reflection on this moment that is so much about the sensations, the movement, the auditory, the visual, the whole imaginal field that come alive in me when I imagine the possibility of this being heard by so many of your listeners. And I just, there's something about that awareness in any moment for any couple member's life, any therapist's life, to know I can choose right now to get more grounded and connect more deeply with myself simply because I want to is a great freedom. So this is so powerful. And I want to spend just a little bit more time here. And the invitation for you listening or watching, if you're watching, is to tune in to each of these aspects of your experience, because at any given moment, you can bring your awareness to them. And that will help do what David has been talking about to bring you more into a sense of presence with your partner and more of a knowing, how do I know that my partner trusts me right now? How do I know that I'm safe with them? How do I know that I'm angry? How do I know that they're angry with me? Because I might be interpreting something that isn't actually happening. So, um, and and to be clear too, like you use these channels of experience in the therapeutic way as well, because by as a therapist being able to tune into what's happening in your experience and and the overall field experience of what's happening between you and your clients, Mm -hmm. you're able to wake up in them all of these dimensions of their experience with each other to, to things that are happening in their body that they may have not even been aware of. Yes, yes, yes. I thank you for that, Neil. I'm, I'm aware of this uh, two-part way that I can interact with a couple. One is, how do you know that right now you're feeling sad? Or I could even say, how do you know that the wetness on your shirt and the wetness on your cheek is saying something to you? And the person literally says, really? Oh, right. I, my cheek is wet, right. Oh, uh, I guess I'm sad. Oh, I am. I am sad. Oh, I'm. And then he says to his daughter, who again, step sorry, his stepdaughter, who is on a video monitor, because it wasn't really safe for her to come into the session, because they had such rancorous exchanges with each other. She's on a video monitor instead on Zoom, as we are in this session, you and I. And he says, "I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sad that I hurt you." And she's so shocked. Because his boarding school in Britain didn't train him to be this way. The beatings that he got from age seven on taught him to never cry. And the tears are leaking out, unbidden, unknown, until he sees them on his shirt and he sees them and feels them on his face. And suddenly, it brings chills into my legs and my back to feel the power of his being able to apologize that totally shocks his wife, that totally shocks his wife of of 22 years, totally shocks his... his, um, because she would be stepdaughter. Uh, and, and she begins to weep, just weeping. And he's weeping and she's weeping. <laughs> Her mother's weeping in this couple session with the daughter there who's 43. And they were all with tears and the feeling of the mercy of this breakthrough based on him first seeing the tears on his shirt, answering the question, what, if the, what do the tears want to say? How can you tell what the tears want to say? And suddenly this apology comes completely out of the blue in a man who, quote, does not apologize, Mm. particularly not from the heart. (laughs) 
I could say as him, I'm sorry you feel that way, which is not, <laughs> not an apology. But in right. this case, that dearness of his true self, the true core neurobiological self of him breaks through the defenses and suddenly his face is soft, his eyes are loving, and his wife and daughter get to see him. At this moment, she's his daughter, not a stepdaughter, but she really is in this united experience that she wants to be in with him as part of family. And the reunion happens this way. It's just so touching. Yeah, I can feel that 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 is an example of how we transform in an instant. Yes. Yeah. This is very true. And and can you highlight, because we've gone through them quickly, but can we just spend like maybe 10 seconds on each of the channels of experience so we can sure. all really take in which what they each are? Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So sensation right now... Um, Perhaps I'll just say the sensations I can notice are a fine hum that I feel throughout the surface of my body, the sensations of the hairs at the back of my neck, the sensations of my muscles becoming more relaxed, the sensations of my vocal cords and my voice again slowing down, the sensations of the resonance in my chest as I'm speaking. Great. And the auditory channel linking with the sensations that validate that what I'm feeling in my vocal cords and in my chest vibration is related to the pitch of my voice dropping and the quality of hearing my own breath coming in, the friction of my breath is part of that auditory channel that helps me to pace myself in my breathing, which is central to self-regulation as a therapist or a partner in a marriage. And the quality of the tonal, slight raspiness of my voice, the graveliness of my voice that drop in for me, as part of the feeling of gratitude for the grace of being with this couple uh, that I just spoke of from last Thursday. And to think of the channel of emotion, mad, sad, glad, scared, disgust, and surprise are the six categorical emotions. Many of us have one emotion that we specialize in that we can really access and regulate quite well. Perhaps there are other emotions that we don't do quite as well with that are very difficult for us to regulate. But to be regulated in all six emotions is part of the goal of ADP for couples and ADP. To be able to be with surprise, for example, and say, my gosh, I was surprised you said that. And now I'm still surprised you said that. And I'm still feeling the delight in surprise that I'm having this experience with you right now, Neil. It feels so joyful and so connected. And to feel surprise is not a fleeting moment but one that I can continue to experience again and again as the surprise of the enlightenment of moments that are so, are so precious and dear because they are literally unbidden. They just come sometimes. And um, if we go on, like surprise really is one of the categorical emotions that is most often missed by therapists because it happens and comes and goes so quickly. Mm-hmm. Present tense experience of surprise can remain for a lifetime. The surprise, for example, when I'm 13 years old and I'm really asking for a sign that God exists and suddenly I feel and see and sense energetically I'm filled with this purple energy in my, above my solar plexus, just between my heart and my gut. And this stays with me today at age 67. It's 13 years old. I am 13 years old in this hand-dug cave and I have this energy of response of this powerful, powerful 
combination of imaginal, seeing the purple energy, the body sensation of the energy filling my whole body as light, the body sensation throughout my body, still now, feeling the head-to-toe experience of being occupied by a sense of some deep surprise that also is something we're so deeply longed for and wanted as a sense of, of validation that I'm not alone. So when we think about the emotion of this, for me, it's a combination of the gratitude and the sadness of having missed that in the previous 12 and a half years of my life. And now to feel that joy and connection with still having this as a presence. Um, so in terms of we covered now a sensation, energy, emotion, talk about movement, as I'm giving these, counting these out, my fingers are involuntarily showing, automatically showing a counting of four. And these movements are moved by the interior cingulate in the brain unconsciously, but they inform what I'm saying. So I move from my heart out to you, the audience, to be able to know I'm really wanting to come from my heart and speak some knowing that I deeply, deeply care about, about ADP for couples and about love and the healing power of love. And how hand gestures can also be involuntarily showing push away or put down or harsh measures of threat that are unconscious and seen by the other more clearly than by the self often. Mm. It's part of the value of tracking movement channel. To my mind, it's the most unconscious of all channels and because it's also clearly visible that it's happening to others, but then maybe not to us. So we have sensation, emotion, energy, movement, auditory, and imaginal. Let's speak about the imaginal channel. The imaginal channel contains the other six channels. I can have imagined emotion. I can have imagined um, uh, experiences of moving, of being free when I'm feeling stuck. And I can imagine my couple member and I being joyful, my, my married partner, Karen, and I being joyful. And in that imagining of joy, I bring the biochemistry of joy into my body. The oxytocin, the dopamine, the acetylcholine come into my body and my brain cells, all the neurons of my body are affected by the imagination of love being pure and true and reliable and resilient. So for me, it's an upwelling of of combination of <laughs> energetic thrill and emotional gratitude that it's possible to be 35 years into a marriage and be joyful about it and feel tears in my eyes sensation of tears in my eyes, that we have this, not that it's a permanent that could be just uncultivated, because marriage always needs to be cultivated. In my mind, either a marriage is improving or devolving at any moment. <laughs> at any moment. This is not a guarantee. Uh, oh, yeah, we're set now. And there's no set part of it for me. It's a living organism. So for yeah. me, that's the channels of experience. I'll just say them again, sensation, emotion, energy, movement, auditory, visual, and imaginal. I didn't overtly say the visual part. I just want to mention the visual channel is so central to us humans to see eye expressions, to see facial coloration, to see markers of tension in ourselves and others, and to be very conscious about our own peripheral vision of our movement. So I'm aware of what I'm actually signaling. <laughs> It's a great gift to right. know what I'm actually signaling to my partner or to someone else in a grocery store or whatever. How am I actually showing myself? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Thank you for, for giving us the rundown. And um, I like to, in terms of the imaginal, 
I love that it contains all of those. And I also find that there's such a gift often in those images that yes. come to us. Yes. Um, you know, I often offer those in my coaching sessions with clients and yes. Chloe and I, that's part of how we interact with each other. My wife, um, the, uh, this image just came to me of blah, blah. And, yep. and so often that has a really positive and, and deepening impact on our interaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What a transcendent function to have to share between you and Chloe. We're lucky. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And we practice it as you were just alluding yes. to it's, it that requires attention. Um, David, before we go, this has been such a rich conversation. I, I could talk to you for another hour easily because this time has <laughs> fl- flown by. Hopefully we will have the chance to talk again. I hope so. Um, First, uh, I do have a question for you, but I'm wondering, let's just talk about how people can find out more about your work and uh, if they want to work with you or if they want to train with you, what's, what's available to them? Well, there's a website, um, the Center for Transformative Therapies website, which is the, um, the URL is CFTT site. So it's CFTTSITE.com. And also the AEDP Institute site, AEDP Institute. Uh, both have uh, programs of training that I'm giving, a five-day program in Cape Cod that will be happening uh, this summer and also in July and also one in Vancouver, Canada. They'll be happening another five-day training um, in Vancouver um, in June and also other workshops that I give uh, that are local and international that are ongoing that will be on their websites. Um, also, I give intensives uh, for couples that want to fly in to have a weekend intensive and also a group work where a group can come together and decide they want to fly in to work with me or fly me out to work with them to facilitate group work that's transformational. And uh, that's direct delivery to people that may want that. Couples groups, for example, can fly me in or religious organizations, church organizations can fly me in. And the power of the work is so joyful to deliver because in a day or an afternoon or two days, so much can happen that really changes lives in a forward moving way. You mentioned coaching, Neil. I'm so glad for that because it's something that uh, is so important in the world to have this capacity, not just psychotherapy to work deeply, but also coaching to work deeply. Mm, Thank you. And uh, we will have links to your sites, um, on uh, the show notes for this episode. And as a reminder, if you want to download the show notes and transcript, uh, you can visit neilsatin.com slash Mars, M-A-R-S, which is David's last name. Um, Or you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And uh, David, I'm curious, do you have time for one more question? I do. Okay, great. I do. Um, there are actually so many more, so it's, it's challenging for me to pick one, but I'm curious, so many couples who listen to this show, so many are married, many are not married. Yes, yes. And I'm wondering, there's something about being married, obviously, that elevates our levels of commitment to each other, most of us. How do you work with couples who aren't married and who are in that dance around like, ah, I'm not even sure 
you know, they could be asking the very same questions that a married couple would be asking, like, are you the right one for me? Do I still want to be in this? Um, wow, this is really hard. Part of me has a foot out the door. Um, is there something extra that you bring or that you would uh, invite for a couple that's not hitched um, as a way of helping them actually stick with the the work that's required in order to figure out maybe those questions that they have about yes, each other? Yeah, I appreciate the question. You know, the, the DVD set um, uh, called Infidelity um, that is about trauma treatment and a uh, case of infidelity um, was of a couple that were not married and they are still not married. They're still very deeply connected and committed and having a joyful experience of relating, which I just saw one of the couple of members just in a restaurant just recently, and she was quite radiant and very grateful for the work, which happened five years ago. We're not doing the work anymore, but it's still living in their lives. So the marriage part isn't required, but it certainly does help from my point of view for many, many of us to have the commitment of marriage, to have that knowing that my partner is with me in a way that has some kind of a substance beyond our decision-making unto ourselves. Um, and for me, when I've a couple I'm working with now that is actually not married and they have a child and they're in the process of dissolution of their living together due to some pretty ingrained issues that are not, they're not remedying. I've only seen them twice, but they came in really this direction of unlinking with each other, but keeping, of course, the responsibility of parenting. And for me, it's a major um, joy in my life and a major piece of meaning to see that even couples who have never married can be deeply committed. Even couples that have a child and who end up not continuing to be in a relationship can be loving parents of that child and can be wonderful co-parents even without um, living together, even without being married, but can still be in that place of that child coming up with strong earned secure attachment. If they haven't got a secure attachment already, they can develop that secure attachment over time by living with parents who are growing and transforming themselves. And so for a couple who's, let's say, they're maybe a little bit more in, so they're not actually dissolving, yeah. but they don't have the we're married to rely upon, yeah. is there something, is there a way that you invite those couples to find safety, the safety that's kind of inherent in a marriage vow? Because, yeah. like, I know, like, as you just mentioned, okay, I, we're in this. Like, we we got married, and right. and um, divorce, as common as it is, is is hard and challenging, and requires a lot to to make happen. That's right. Um, so, yeah, how how to deal with the paradox of safety in a relationship where they haven't spoken vows with each other? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, for me, I want to give the example of polyamory, which is, for me, one of the most challenging ways to be in relationship that exists on the planet. I know many people are very keen on that, and it works for them, but the couples that I've known who have done that work um, of polyamory is a very, very complicated process. And for me, the safety experience is really, uh, in many cases, about how securely attached is this person to themselves? Great. How able is uh, this recent song lyric I was listening to of an old song? Um, I'm, and I'm, and I know you won't let me down because I have my feet so firmly on the ground. And that's, you know, in truth, we're all vulnerable to having our hearts broken, 
no matter how, how strong we are. And it's one of the greatest ex- agonies that can be to have a lost love in my experience and also in research as well. But to be able to feel the truth of one's words is real, that one's actions and one's words match. To me, that's part of the integrity of married or unmarried, whatever it is, that can help couples to feel truly safe and truly believable and believed is to really make sure that our actions and our words match. Mm. Our apologies are followed by corrected action, not just words that sound good, but actually a commitment to, to live differently. Yeah, and a commitment to be in that process of the experience of earned secure attachment with your own being. And, yep. um, and I, I've seen how that even changes what people ask for in relationship. I've experienced yep. that myself. I've seen it yep. in others. Um, so yes, that I think is a great way of confronting that. Like, well, I'm always safe in me. And yes. then I can bring that into however complicated this, this situation is to try and, and resolve it for the better. Yep. Wonderful. David, it is such a treat to have you here. I really appreciate your time, your wisdom, your work. Um, AEDP and AEDP for couples is such a powerful modality. Um, and I'm really delighted that you were able to be here to share with us. And, um, and I hope that for those of you watching and listening that your your curiosity is piqued and you're you're going to seek ways out of experiencing this for yourself um but david um i'm just i have such appreciation for your your work in the world and the way that that's rippling out um from here and from the other ways that you're training people and working with people it's super powerful Thank you so much. What an honor to be in this conversation with you and to be asked questions I've never been asked before. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) It's a joy joy to be with you. And I hope we get to speak again in another podcast another time. Great. Great. We'll make that happen for sure. Okay. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.